0: Good morning. Uh, You're welcome to the An African Conquering the World podcast. This is an a special edition uh, in this to usher in the new year and to make it, it, it another comeback after a while of being quiet. Uh, quietness, not because of an inability to create content, but more because of the happenings around our work and things of that nature um, we've been building in nigeria and also trying to create a better uh, outlook for our practice and so it's it's, it's taking a lot of time and um, energy out of our daily um, organization of things but again this is a special episode uh, because we're trying to we're, we're trying to continue figuring out things as they are in the lives of um, architects, as architects like like myself are trying to, like the podcast says, conquer the world while being African, which, as we know, is quite a, a tricky thing to do. Anyways, happy new year and best of compliments of all the of, of, of best of compliments to to everyone and I'm hoping that we all have a great year ahead and we're able to do as much as we planned and also achieve as much as we planned. So in the past few months I've, I've been thinking about one word as I move up and down, I've been thinking about the word ubiquity. And I've been think, trying to think about what that means in a traditional law for, instance, and especially when it comes to creating architecture. And so I, I've, been, I've been looking at the the, the, output, of, the output of the traditional Hausa uh, architects that made the houses especially of uh, antiquity in Hausa land. I think that studying traditional African architecture is something that is has been made to look very tricky and very difficult. But I think if you focus on one one part of the, the continent that has um, some form of homogeneity, we, we find that we're able to to find the principles that enable that architecture to 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 become um, to, to come to life and if you understand those principles we will find that the basis of those principles are applicable to several other architectures around the continent what I'm trying to say is that basically there are there are fixed points and, and laws that are similar across board in the production of African traditional architecture but that's not what this podcast is about this podcast is more about the idea of ubiquity and the laws of ubiquity that come from the creation of, uh, of form in house architecture. So, it, one of the complaints that, we, that, that people have generally about um, African traditional architecture is that the output is typically similar. So, it looks like they always made the same house over and over again, with minor changes and minor um not changes but minor modifications. So sometimes the patterning on the outside is a little different from the patterning of house A and B, or perhaps th- there's a pattern on house A and there's no pattern on house B, which can be can be because the owner of house A is richer than the owner of house B. Little things like that. So, but but we never really look deeply as to why those houses are self-same. And of course, if you've been listening to this podcast, you you know that that idea that um, African traditional architecture can only be read through the, especially Hausa traditional architecture, through the, the family structures of those that live in it. I think it's a bizarre idea that has to be struck from the history books, but The 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 laws basically that enable the emanation of um, architecture in in, in traditional cities in Africa are based on certain universal principles. If I if I can say that myself, that that are certain universal principles that are, are are treated as sacred within those climbs. Now, in Hausa architecture, you find that the pavilions of, of habitation float within a free space of living. In an easier way to say it, we typically think that the courtyard is, is a residual space in a building, but in Hausa in traditional architecture, the, the, the living spaces are the residual space and the courtyard is the architecture. So, again, those the, the, those rules, and I'm not saying that I know these rules. I'm saying that th- these rules are, if you, the, the best way to put this is if you, if to guarantee the same outcome over and over again with minor modifications, there must be a base set of rules, like a grid behind the outcomes that enable that the same thing happens all the time. So, I'm spending this year trying to figure out those rules and those rules are for me what makes the performance of household architecture as high as it is we've spent all these years trying to think that um, the only thing that makes that enables that architecture to be comfortable when it's hot and comfortable when it's cold and create those inverse changes in temperature is the material of its build. I'd I'd, I'd like to argue that it's also the, the 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 way the architecture is set set up, the laws of ubiquity that enable that the architecture is that that idea of of forms floating in free space can be carried out even with the most local builders, and also the 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 the, 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 the general mathematics of how how the plan is organised. All come together to make a simple yet elegant solution that is cool in the in the in the hot days and warm in the cold days so it becomes an environmental machine that performs in certain way certain ways and within that environmental machine there's several free, um, different environments because of how the forms are floating in the free space those forms they enable the courtyard to become small environments that make it possible for the people who inhabit those houses to have to be able to 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 have varying experiences as they move around their houses this is something that architecture doesn't have today as much as we want to rationalize things and enable that enable us to have a more a quicker way to build uh, more compact homes. I'd argue also that architecture needs to create, especially in the 21st century, this this environment within its forms so that people who, who don't like to go out... And again, here's another argument even for this. Not going out in the 21st century is a mark of of the man of the 21st century in a way, because even prior to the pandemic, people got famous, not because one million people physically knew them, but because they had one million virtual followers on some social media. Um, People had um, colloquially beefs, or people had quarrels with themselves. They had those quarrels on Twitter. There was no more physical quarrel people had power with their their friends and their mates on their their ps5s so more and more without us noticing the house has become more and more the entire social circle of a man's life of a human being's life and less and less human beings need to go out need to go out to associate with other human beings i'm not I'm neither judging this positively or negatively i'm just saying that this is the situation we find ourselves our, our tools have created a possibility for an entire virtual um, living that w- enables us not to need to go out in the conventional sense of it so it means that the house itself has to change to to capture this kind of living reality so a, ma- a human being who doesn't want to go out of his house, the, the the green and nature that he would have gone out to meet has to come into his house. So even from, from that argument, we see that the way that the house is planned, and I'm using the house as the first basic argument, the way that the house is planned, um, entry, living room, dining room, kitchen, bedrooms, that sequence has to be disrupted and a new sequence has to be invented to enable um, to enable the positives of this new 21st century way of living to be squeezed out through architecture. So again to summarize that our lives are less physical and more virtual. So uh, all, the, all, all the, 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 the physical things in the house are, and that create that need for excessive space especially things like um, having visitors in your in your living room so you have like a, a funny set of chairs arranged in a certain way a la Miss Van Der Rohe or, 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 or like any um, house in any part of the world that you have a sofa, two or three or four chairs that arrangement itself is senseless most people sit on their sofa and play their PS5s most people sit on their sofas and do their Zoom calls So what's most important now is a sofa in a living space that has enough space for for that virtual life to emanate itself and, bec- and, 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 and that simply becomes um, like I said a reduction of space but also a change in how space should be configured so we have to start to look at that in that same vein you quickly see that the technology of virtuality and reduction of, of the, the what uh, of, of the objects within the house, and therefore the shrinking of the space and reconfiguring of the space of the house, also quickly makes us start to ask the questions that are important regarding the objects within the house. This object argument has been happening since um, time memorial in architecture, but i'm not i don't want to talk about the household objects of uh, african antiquity versus the household objects of today i'm saying for instance that several things that we aspire to buy or we aspire to keep in a house have no use and are senseless additions to the house and i think that in the 21st century a house must be as efficient as possible as compact as possible and as much of an environmental system as it can be. One of these arguments, one of the, the arguments against objects that are now bizarrely taking space in the house is the argument of the drinking mug versus the teacups or the, or the tea sets. The teacups with all that propriety of the nice teaspoon and the funny looking teacup that, was, that is, it can be said to be a, a 17th century invention, for instance the mug the, the branded mug made of porcelain has been has kind of taken that out so it, the 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 mug does exactly what the um teacup does with less space and less um less drama around it so it creates more efficiency most houses have replaced their teacups with their with mugs, but we keep making teacups and wasting porcelain. Also in a lot of places, most people don't watch the TV in the sense of TVs anymore. They use monitors um, to play computer games. They get their news off their phone. So why do we still have TV walls? So we can go from element to element in the house and ask these questions. And With those questions, a quick understanding of the Reduced nature of our houses for more efficiency comes to mind. I think we're in a great time in civilization where we can start to change architecture again, and architecture can contribute as much as it has in any time in civilization to the growth of the human, the human, and the um, the purification of our environment, and also the the amplification of our lives and and our happiness. Therefore I think that it's time for us to look at architecture again with of traditional ex- uh, architecture especially but African traditional uh, architecture generally as the yardstick which we use to measure and which we use to um, ideate about what our futures can be. I think that our, our ancestors had, have lived in our futures in the past so we need to figure out how they did it, understand those laws of ubiquity, and reapply them to everyday architecture. Thank you for listening. This has been an African um, Conquering the World podcast. Please follow and like on our Instagram page at AACW Podcast on Instagram. Um, comments, uh, comments, likes would be highly appreciated. You can subscribe there too. Thank you very much for listening and have a happy new year.